All right, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here today. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Arise Church, and we are so glad that you're here. Um, I wanted to pray about a couple things this morning, so we'll have a time of prayer. We, we, have, we believe in the multiplication mindset here, right? We talked about that last week, um, that we um, pursue multiplication over addition to see the kingdom of God grow exponentially, and we believe that that means the kingdom of God is so much bigger than this church, right? So we have two other churches that are our friends here in this area, Go Church and Journey Point Church. Journey Point Church was supposed to have one of their monthly meetings today, and they got COVID, so we're going to pray for them. They had to go all online today. And then Go Church is leasing a building, so they're in their building for the very first time uh, this Sunday. So we're excited about that, and we're praying for them. And then we're going to pray again for our nation, for our new president-elect, okay? Would you guys join me in prayer for that? Um, Lord God, we do believe the kingdom of God is so much bigger than our church, and we're glad about that. We're glad that you use um, people and then use churches um, that do things a little differently, and, and we, we just love that, Lord. I pray, especially right now for Journey Point, that you'd keep those who, who got uh, COVID-19 this week, their staff, that you would heal them quickly, that you wouldn't allow that to spread, and that you would just bless them, even though they are online only right now, that you'd allow their in- impact to grow. We also pray for Go Church, Lord God. I pray that you'd bless Nick and Becky Calloway as they lead that church, that you'd help them grow as their first time ever leasing a building like this, that you'd bless that time there, that you would use that building in, in powerful ways and that you would keep people safe as they begin to meet as well. Lord God, we also pray for our new, uh, vi- our new president and vice president-elect. We pray for, for Joe Biden and for Kamala Harris, Lord, that you would um, bless them in this transition, that you would have a good, peaceful transition from President Trump to our new president. And Lord God, as we prayed last week, we, we believe that you are sovereign and that you pick up kings and you put, bring them down. You put uh, presidents in power and you take them down. And we also know that it says in your Proverbs that the heart of a king is like a stream in your hands, that you can control it, that you can lead it. And we pray that you'd lead uh, our new government officials, whether it's the president or vice president or senators or congressmen and women, that you would lead them well so that they could govern our nation well. And that you'd lead us out of this time of pandemic and and out of uh, difficult economic situation. And I pray that you'd lead us into a good new chapter for our nation, that it would lead to human flourishing and the common good. I pray that you'd be with us this morning, that you'd open up our hearts, that we'd be ready and eager to hear what you have to tell us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, good, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys are here, or if you're watching online, welcome. Um, we do want, if you're, you're newish to our church, we want to connect with you. I'd love to reach out and be able to even just say hi on the phone. I had the chance to do that with, with a guy this last week, and it's just so great to get to know some of the newish people to our church. So if you're newish, go to www.arisedenver.com slash new. Jimmy mentioned this, or you can just hit that button that says I'm new here. You can do that online. You can even, if you're here in person, do the same thing. Fill out that quick little form, and we'll reach out to you. Plus, we donate $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission for every new form that's filled out. Um, to help uh, a homeless person or a homeless family get off the streets or get a meal. So I encourage you guys to do that. So we are starting our new series today. Uh, if you uh, missed any of our last series at our core, you can find all of our series at www.horizondenver.com media. We have audio, video, and starting this week for the first time, we also have a transcription of every message. I know there's some people that love to read. They'd rather read than listen or watch. You can do that too. But whether you're reading, watching, or listening, subscribe so you don't miss a single one of those messages because we believe that worshiping weekly is important. Even if you're out of town or out of the country, you can still get that sent straight to your phone. So we encourage you to do that, to keep track of that because one of our other core values that we went over in our last series is transformational teaching, that we teach God's word accurately and relevantly to transform lives. 
That's very important here because we believe that God's word takes us from where we are to where we should be. It changes us, it convicts us, it challenges us. This series is gonna be challenging. But we believe that that leads to transformation. And even today, we're going to hear a couple stories of, of someone in this service and someone in the next service getting baptized. And maybe some of you may be led through this service as well if you're here in person to get baptized. If you're watching online, you can come down too. At the end of the service, I'll dunk you. If you just show up, we even have towels for you and some shirts. Um, we'll do that because we believe that God transforms us from the inside out. And that's why in this series, Untangled, it's gonna be really good as we try to untangle our lives because there are so many worries and fears that kind of get wrapped up together. Now, who in here has ever had a rat's nest of cords that you had to untangle? Anybody ever done that? You know what I'm talking about? I think everybody has had that experience. They're just all wrapped up and tangled together and you're trying to figure out which cord goes to what and you have to like unravel each one and you're trying to like untie it to get a knot. How did that get into a knot right there? How is this tied into that? And you're having to move things under. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? It can be a mess and it's like I didn't even do anything. It just like happened. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like I don't even touch this and all of a sudden over time there's just this huge mess and bungle of cords, cables, string, wires, uh, whatever it is that you're talking about, rubber bands. You, you just like open up that drawer in your house. Oh my gosh, how did I get such a tangled mess in there? You know what I'm talking about? Well, sometimes it just seems like it happens. It just happens that I wasn't planning on getting tangled up, but it just happened that this tangle happened. And I think the same thing happens in our lives. We have these worries and fears that are very present in our lives and in our world. And, and even without us thinking about it, we get so entangled in all those worries. And the way we think, the way we feel, the way we act gets all tangled up with these worries. And sometimes it's hard to untangle those things. And that's what we're gonna work on in this series as we listen to the words of Jesus. For four weeks, we're going to learn to untangle some of these worries we have in our life, as you saw in the video, and today is, is the worry that we have of looking good. Isn't that something we worry about? I wanna look good, I wanna impress people, and we're not primarily talking about physical looks, although I think it includes that, but that idea that we want other people to look at us and think, wow, that's a good person. They're a good, good guy, they're a, they're a great lady. You know? we, we want people to respect us. We want to impress other people. And that's the first worry we're gonna look at in this series that we're gonna hopefully try to untangle because it can really mess us up, especially on the inside of our lives. So what we're gonna do in this series, we're, we're starting in Luke 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 37. So if you have your Bible or if you have uh, your phone, whatever you use in the Bible app, go ahead, get to Luke chapter 11, verse 37. We're gonna go to the end of chapter 11 today. And if you've been here at all this year, you know that we've been going through the Gospel of Luke on and off. We kind of do one Luke series, one different series, one Luke series, because Luke is such a long Gospel. So we're kind of keeping it fresh with these different series. This is actually our sixth short series in Luke, and we're gonna continue that through next year to, to get through the Gospel according to Luke. And in this, we've been investigating Jesus, what he actually said, what he actually did, not just what people think or say about him, what, what the historian Luke went and investigated for himself, for us. So we're investigating with him. And today we see what Jesus said to some of the religious people of his day. So in turn, he's t speaking to us, right? <laughs> speaking to me, speaking to you all. If you're like, well, I'm not religious. Well, good, you can kind of sit back. This message isn't for you. <laughs> I think you'll still uh, find some application points for yourself as well. But we're gonna see in Luke chapter 11 as Jesus addresses these religious leaders. So in verse 37, I'm gonna start reading. 
where it says, when Jesus had finished speaking, so he was just speaking to the crowds, he's preaching a great message. A Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. So here's Jesus, this great popular preacher who attracts thousands of people. Thousands of people come to see him. So one of the religious leaders, this Pharisee, says, hey, come on over. This is like, hey, I just went to the concert, now I wanna hang out with the lean singer, right? That, that's what's going on. This is the big conference. Ooh, I get to have that, that conference speaker at my house for dinner. This is, this is a big deal, right? So the Pharisee invites him in. There's gonna have this special party. He probably invited some of his friends as well. Hey, we're all gonna get to rub shoulders with this preacher, whether you like him or not. He's a big deal. We're around someone who's pretty popular. And in verse 38, but the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. How could he? There might be diseases and viruses being spread around. You better wash up, right? You better wash your hands till they're raw and red. That's what we've been doing for the last eight months now, right? <laughs> okay, that's what we think about now when we read this verse. Wash up, get clean, because hygiene is what's on our mind. Okay, even before COVID times, you were thinking hygiene when you'd read this verse. That's what we do as, as Americans in the 21st century. We think hygiene, washing your hands. But I don't know if you've ever studied this. It wasn't until just about 100 years ago that people even knew that washing hands was important and helpful. <laughs> really, like it, it had to be like a study thing. Nobody believed it for the longest time. No, that's ridiculous. There was some Eastern European who figured this out and everybody's like, nah, don't listen to that guy. He's, he's dumb. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And hundreds and thousands of people were dying in surgeries and in doctor's office because doctors didn't even wash their hands, right? So this is a very new thing that we've learned that washing your hands is related to hygiene. What the Pharisee noticed here is that Jesus not washing his hands is that he wasn't performing the right ritual. And we know this because in the Mishnah, which was another book that rabbis wrote to explain how to be even more religious than the Bible says, you can read, there's two chapters devoted to how you need to wash your hands. And I read them this week. That's what I do for you guys. I read the Mishnah this week and it's very specific about how they're supposed to wash their hands. You need to hold your hands up like this because if you have them down like this, you could accidentally get a little extra uncleanness from your wrists and arms that can, can ruin your hands. So you pour the water on, and you can't just pour it anyways. There has to be the bucket of water, whatever you're using, that cistern, and then you have to use a second utensil, like a cup or a spoon, to pour the water onto your hands as they're facing up like this. You pour once, and then you pour a second time. And we know for a fact that this had nothing to do with hygiene because of how much water was supposed to be used. They gave very clear instructions that you were supposed to use, which is the equivalent of about a third of a Coke can. Okay, just think a third of a Coke can. That's how much water you're supposed to use for up to four people. If you had five or more people, you're supposed to double it, right? But if you have four people, one third of a Coke can is supposed to be poured. Can you wash your hands like that? Okay, this is not like sing happy birthday three times and, and use you know, antibacterial soap, okay? That's not what's going on here. This is all about the looks of being ceremonially pure. I have washed off the uncleanness and now I am clean. You have shown to everybody else before the meal, because this is done in groups. You don't go off by yourself to the bathroom. You're all washing in front of each other to show how religious you are to other people. This is about looking good. This is about looking good. And that's the first of these fears, these worries that we're gonna be talking about untangling because don't we care so much about looking good in front of other people? And I'm not just talking about physical looks, although I think that's part of it, but we also just wanna look like we're upright, that we're good people. We wanna impress other people. 
Some of you are like, well, Matt, I'm not a religious person. I don't care what the religious people think of me. But we care about somebody. We all do. We, we've seen it this last week and probably the last five years. We want to look politically upright, don't we? I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. You're tweeting, you're putting things on Facebook so that you can show people, I voted for the right person. I am righteous in the political realm. That's what we do. There's even a term for it now, virtue signaling. Right? You guys have heard that term before? Because we want to show to other people that we are virtuous, that I'm a good person, that I have morals, that I have the high ground. We do this with social media. We, we want to look socially respectable to other people. We take, on average, I think it's like 10 minutes people take before they post a picture on Instagram for other people to see it less than like half a second. <laughs> but we want to look good for others, don't we? And Jesus is going after that first. He's saying, you are so concerned about looking good that you have become entangled in your heart. And we need to untangle that, he's saying. You're worried so much about looking good in front of all the other people. So Jesus goes after them in verse 39. He says, then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? He's saying you care so much about looking good on the outside, you care so much about looking righteous. That's the thing we're entangled with. There's these three different things that Jesus points out that we care about looking good with, that we care about looking righteous. That's what he's saying to these Pharisees. You wanna look good on the outside, you wanna wash your hands so you look good, so that you impress all the other religious people that you're with. Look at me morally upright. Don't we do this? I do it. I remember vividly when I was 12 years old. There was a football game after church. And here was my dad, uh, the worship leader. Here was all the other religious leaders in church, the elders, the deacons, right? We were all playing football. Not only did I want to impress them that I'm good at football as a 12-year-old, right? But I also wanted to show them that I like have sportsmanship, that I'm someone that can be respected, right? And here we are all playing football. And I'm going out, I'm the receiver, I'm running as fast as I can, I stretch out my arm, the football's coming this way, I got a defender right in front of me, but I'm stretching out so far, I'm gonna catch this ball. And the ball comes and hits my pinky and breaks it instantly. And I yell an expletive so loud that everyone hears it, right? This 12-year-old, my dad is there, all the leaders of the church, everybody just stops and is silent, nobody says a word. And I was so ashamed, right? Because I wanted to be respectable, like I'm, a, I'm the good kid, and yet something so filthy just came out of my mouth in front of everybody. It's not like I hadn't said that word before or, or thought it right, but here in front of all these other people, man, what did I look like in their eyes? Well, it certainly wasn't righteous. <laughs> that was me, right? Anybody had an experience like that? You know, I have people all the time, because I'm a pastor, come up to me, and they'll apologize for cussing. As if I've never heard it before. It's like, <gasps> what does that word mean, right? They apologize because now they're around religious people. We gotta impress the religious people, right? That's what we do. We wanna look good. We wanna look righteous. That's one of the desires of our heart, to look righteous. But there's even more as, as Jesus continues to really ream these Pharisees and talk about how they're so focused on how they look. He says in verse 42, woe to you Pharisees because you give a tenth of your mint rue and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. 
Remember, he just called them greedy, and they're probably thinking, what do you mean greedy? I tithe. I tithe. In fact, these guys were so religious that they would tithe on the herbs from their herb garden. Okay, they, would, they would pull out the mint and, and everything, and they would divide one-tenth, and they'd give that to the church, and they'd only use the other nine-tenth. How religious could you get? Man, that's impressive, right? Because they wanted to look generous. Now, Jesus doesn't say, well, stop doing that. He says, okay, keep doing that, but matter, you should think about the important things like justice, like love, like caring for the least and the last and the lost. Do you care more about the poor or do you care about making sure you get it exactly right? They probably even got the scales out to weigh it. Yep, mm, ooh, let me take out an ounce of that cumin, right? Because they want to make sure they get it exactly right. Now, some of us are so far removed from an herb garden that it's distant, but I remember when I was a pastor in Nebraska, what people would do during harvest time was that they would come and they would actually bring some of the vegetables from their garden, which actually was a really cool thing. They'd bring it in, there was a table, everybody put the, the vegetables on their garden, and then anybody can come take it. So people who were in need could come and they would take all the vegetables they needed. There's sweet corn, there's tomatoes, and it was great. It, until the end of harvest time when there'd be like, people have been given so much away. If you didn't lock your doors, people would literally put squash in your car and you'd be like, oh man, squash again. Okay, but, but the point was like, it was good. People were doing it at a good, but if you're doing that so that everybody can see that you're generous, that's what Jesus said is wrong. And this is a big deal. You know, it's been uh, an issue over the last several years if people have gone more and more to online giving in churches. No, seriously, because you, we used to pass the plate, and here you can, we want you to give online, but you can also give in those boxes in the back, right? But when people would pass the plate, well, now they're starting to give online. Churches would literally print envelopes, and in big wording on it said, online. So people could take that envelope and put it in the offering plate so they can be seen to be giving every week. I had one man come up to me uh, a long time ago and say, Matt, why are there so many offerings? There's always an offering, we're collecting money, and I just feel like I have to give every time. Because that's why we should give, right? Because you have to be seen to give by others. But that shows our hearts, doesn't it? It shows our hearts that we only want to appear generous. We want to look generous in the eyes of others. But Jesus says, no, 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 it's actually about having a generous heart. Do you actually care about the poor? Do you just want all your friends to see how many Operation Christmas Child boxes you filled? Or do you want to do it to bless a family in need, a child in need? It's about the inside, not just the outside. It's about the inside, not just the outside. And it's not just looking righteous, it's not just looking generous, but it's also looking important that Jesus calls us out for. And we see this in verse 43 with the Pharisees. Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. That last line says, uh, what Jesus means by that is you are dead and people don't even know. You are spiritually dead inside and people think that you are the upright religious people. Why? Because they care more about being seen in the synagogue. They want to be seen going to church. Look at me. I'm there every week. I'm in the front row. I look good. I have the tie on. She says, that's not what it's about. Now, we just need to be honest here for a minute. There was a pretty major nationwide study that was done right at, at, at about the second or third month of COVID that wanted to look at church attendance. Okay? And what it looked at was, okay, churches in their pre-COVID attendance numbers 
what are their attendance numbers now that everything's online, okay? What they found, this is generally speaking across the nation, was that one-third of the regular churchgoers, these are the people going, I think, at least three times a week, one-third of them kept going about the same amount of time every week, right? One-third are, are continuing to go every week. Another third switched to another church. <laughs> now we can watch online. That church has better music and a better preacher. I'm gonna go join on that church. And then the third-third stopped going altogether. Okay, there may be all sorts of other reasons for this, but I think one of the things it tells us is that now that people aren't seen going to church, why bother? If nobody's gonna see me there, why would I even show up? Because nobody can see me in my living room logging on. I'm just like a number, one, one of the views. Doesn't this tell us something about us? And I say this to the people that are here, like, thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for watching online. But I think we can be convicted by what Jesus says, Right? Do we just want to look important? Do we just want to look like we've got it together? Or do we actually want to follow Jesus and love God? Jesus says, hey, you got some problems with your heart. Now, as you guys are hearing this message, I'm sure some of you are thinking, man, I wish so-and-so were here. They need to hear this message. I'm going to send it to them when I get home. You're watching online, sharing it with your friend, right? Because we can all think of those Pharisees. And isn't that what we do with the Pharisees? We, we hear about these Pharisees, and I always think of somebody from a different denomination. That's what I do in my head whenever I read about the Pharisees. Oh yeah, those guys, and all their religious rituals, and how they dress up, and their pastors do all that stuff. They are the ones who are the Pharisees. But it's never me, right? Don't we do this? We're thinking of the other people, maybe even other people in this room. They need to hear this message. But this message is for me. This message is for you. Can you just say that out loud? This one's for me. Type that in online. This one's for me, okay? This is not about other people. In fact, there's other people. There's not just the Pharisees at this, uh, this religious lunch, right? There's not just the Pharisees. There's also a group of people called the teachers of the law. So these guys were spiritual people as well. And in verse 45, it says, one of the experts in the law answered Jesus, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. You're offending us too, even though you're going after these guys for how terrible they are. It's kind of like rubbing off on us. It's kind of insulting. To which Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you. See, they were trying to say, oh yeah, those guys have some problems. But Jesus is saying, no, no, you do too. See, it's so easy to put this off on somebody else, but this message is for me. This one's for me, and I want you to think that. As we go in now, Jesus has these three things that we focus on to look good, look righteous, to look generous, to look important, but now Jesus is going to say, there's the, because of how much you care about how you look on the outside, there are three major blind spots that you're missing on the inside. This one's for you. This one's for you. Verse 46 and you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Now honestly, this has been one of the most convicting verses for me as a pastor. Because we do this. We, we speak the truth. These religious leaders, they, these guys knew the law. They knew what God had said. And what they do is they say, this is how then you're supposed to live. You're supposed to pray regularly. You're supposed to read the scriptures. You're supposed to meditate. You're supposed to tithe. You're supposed to uh, live a sexually pure life. All these things that they're putting on, they're good things, what the Bible actually says. But then they do nothing to help. See, these people have a blind spot in realizing they're not helpful. 
They're unhelpful in how they're doing things. This is how you're supposed to live. This is what you're supposed to do. The more and more we talk about this, and this is why as a pastor this convicts me, because I tell you guys how to live. I tell you guys what to do, but am I actually helping you do it? It's one thing to tell a person, you need to get up every morning and read your Bible. It's another thing to be helpful and say, hey, let's get up together tomorrow. We're gonna read the Bible together and I'll teach you how to do it because it's hard and confusing sometimes. You don't know how to pray? Hey, let's pray together. Let me teach you how to do it. Are we actually being helpful when we talk to other people? It's not saying don't tell them (laughs) what's right, but it is saying help them. Jesus says we as followers of Jesus, it's sometimes so easy to just tell other people all the things they're doing wrong, but are we helping them? We're putting a burden on them, but as Paul says in Galatians 6, our job is to carry one another's burdens. Are we doing that? Are we stepping in and say, hey, let me help you with that. You messed up, I love you, come on. I'll encourage you, I'll pick you back up and we'll do it together. Are are, are we helpful or unhelpful? This is a major blind spot for some of us. And Jesus continues, there's another blind spot. He says in verse 47, woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets and it was your ancestors who killed them. And then jumping down to the end of this paragraph in verse 51, he says, yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. This is a complicated one, but what Jesus is saying is, you guys look to the past. You look at Jeremiah, Isaiah, these these great prophets, and you venerate them, you revere them, you love them. Look how great they are. You even build tombs for them to show how important they were. But Jesus is saying, if you had been there, though, you would have killed them. You would have been one of the ones hated when that preacher was preaching. So for our day, we say things like, oh, Mother Teresa, what an amazing woman. But when was the last time you helped an orphan? Billy Graham, what a phenomenal evangelist. What a great man. When was the last time you shared your faith? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what a great man to stand up to Hitler, even though it cost him his life. When was the last time you spoke up to power, even though it might cost you something? Jesus is saying the problem here is that you are hypocrites, right? You pretend like one thing, but are you living it out? You're hypocrites. And the, and the third thing that Jesus points out now with these religious leaders of the law in verse 52, woe to you experts in the law because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who were entering. The third problem is that they're a hindrance to others. They're a hindrance to others because they think they know the way to heaven, but they're not going themselves. They think they know the path to actually follow after God, but they're not doing it themselves. And therefore, they are hindering others by the way they're living. Man, that's convicting. Am I a hindrance to other people? By the way I live, am I leading other people astray? This is a heavy message. What Jesus is saying here is convicting as he's here with the Pharisees and the the religious leaders and in turn this message comes to us. It it, it should convict us because it's hard to hear these things. And and I'm up here, the chief hypocrite of the church. No, really. This morning I said something rude to Melissa and it led us into a conversation. Let's just call it that, right? Right? And in this conversation, I was distracted and I had just gotten out of the shower, so both our twins crawl into the bottom of the shower and are just soaking wet, and that's when I leave to go to church to preach. Honey, if you're watching, I'm really sorry, I love you. I messed up, because I'm the hypocrite, right? How, what gives me the right to come up here and preach to you about this stuff? 
I'm a sinner. Uh, I love what Paul says in, in 1 Timothy 1 where he says, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I could have written that. I'm the worst sinner of the church. And I'm saying this, that these words for Jesus are coming to me. Even though I'm preaching them to you, I'm not like Jesus. See, when Jesus preached, he actually did what he said. He was righteous. He was innocent. He was pure. He had a perfect heart that was generous and kind and showed justice to the poor. And he preached this message with complete perfection to be able to call out these people. I don't preach it the same way because I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. I preach it like a fellow sinner, like a fellow Pharisee just like you. And that's what we are, right? Larry Osborne in his great book says that we are accidental Pharisees because we have become so entangled in these sins of our heart that we care so much more about how we look on the outside than what's actually going on in the inside. And the inside is filthy. I need a volunteer. Do I have a brave volunteer today for, for a lesson? Jenna, I love it. Come on up. Come on up these stairs. And as you can see here, I have a really beautiful white dish, right? You guys all see this dish here, this bowl. We got some life cereal, we got some milk, we got a spoon. And Jenna, I want you to come up here, pour some life into this bowl, and I want you to eat a bowl of cereal. What's in the bowl? What, what do you mean? What's why don't you show everybody else what's in the bowl? Show, show, let's get the camera to zoom in on that. Can you show everybody? It's disgusting, right? You're, you don't want to eat out of there? <laughs> but you won't use that dish, right? I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. Thank you. Can you, everybody give Jenna a hand? It's gross, right? I want to just, so you can get a zoom in on that, if we can, Sunny on our cameras. That's disgusting, isn't it? It looks great on the outside. Nice, shiny, white, bone china, right? But on the inside, it's filthy and disgusting. You don't care how, how good the outside looks if the inside is filthy. What Jesus is saying is, that's us. We're like that dish that we we try to clean up the outside. We wash it. We make ourselves look good. We put on our good plaid shirts and go to church. I mean, that's just me. Um, But we want to look good in front of others. But inside, we're filled with sin. We have hearts that just care so much about what other people think. We want to look righteous even though we are not. We want to look generous even though we don't care about the poor. We want to look like we're important even though really we're dead inside. That's what Jesus is saying. And what he wants to do is to change our focus, to help us get untangled from this knot that our heart is tied in. He wants us to get untangled. So so don't focus, don't focus on how good you look on the outside. This is our big idea. But on being transformed by God on the inside. Don't focus on looking good on the outside, but but on being transformed by God on the inside. We need God to transform our hearts, to clean our hearts, to wash us, to take all this sin and this hypocrisy and this this junk out of our lives and just wash it again and again and again. We've got to be transformed and renewed every single day. We need that. We've got to admit it that we're just like that bull. And we need to be washed, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And we cannot do that on our own. We can't. We can try to be more generous, but we're still selfish. We can try to do more justice and show love to others, but we need God to change us first from the inside. 
And that is the great news of our faith, that this Jesus did not just preach how to live righteously, but he went and he lived the perfect life and then died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, even though he had done nothing wrong, he paid our penalty. He took the punishment for our sin. And when we put our faith in Jesus, our sins can be forgiven and our heart can be washed clean from the inside. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus said, I won't just teach about it, I will do it and I will show you how to live. And when we believe in Jesus, our hearts can start to begin to be transformed. Our sins can be washed away and we can begin to live the righteous holy life we are called to, to truly be generous, truly be kind, truly be loving to others and to God. We've gotta be transformed on the inside and stop worrying about how we look on the outside. So as I have um, the band come on up, I just want us to think about this because we all have two options with a message like this. We have two options, to reject it or to repent. To reject or to repent. And that's what you see at the very end of this, this story. It says in verse 53, when Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Instead of repenting and saying, yes, I am sinful on the inside, they got even angrier and they rejected everything Jesus said. And we have that opportunity this morning. Do we reject it or do we repent? Do we reject it or do we repent? And I hope and pray that you will not be like the Pharisees, but we can say, I am the chief of sinners. I need his forgiveness. I need him to transform me from the inside out. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna have a moment, a time that we can repent. And what repentance is, is that we're telling God, yes, I'm a sinner. We're admitting that we have done something wrong. But it's not just that. That's only half of it. The other half is saying, I'm going to change my life. It's a 180 in our life. I'm walking this direction. I'm gonna say that's wrong and I'm gonna walk this direction. That's what repentance is. Something that goes on in our hearts. So what we're gonna do right now is just take a moment to confess our sins to God. We can do that quietly. You don't have to yell them out unless you really want to. Okay, we're all sinners here. But this is you and God. Take that moment to confess your sin to God. Ask him to forgive you. It says in 1 John that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. And that's the promise we claim today that Jesus has paid the penalty for my sin and I can be washed and forgiven of it. And after we do that, we're gonna see someone who's declaring that publicly, right? That is being physically washed publicly to show what has happened inside of our heart be washed of sin. And if you're here and you said, I've never done that, I've never made that public statement of my faith, I'll dunk you too, okay? Seriously, I have, I have shirts for you, I have uh, towels for you, you can come on up and I will dunk you in just a second as we publicly say what's happening in our hearts. So, so let's take this moment right now to just, just pray and, and repent. Bow your heads, close your eyes. with everyone's eyes still closed and heads bowed, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus, but you want him to forgive you of your sins once and for all, I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer and you can say this silently to yourself. God hears it, God knows your heart and he will forgive you of all your sins. So, so please just repeat this prayer after me. You can say it quietly right where you are. Father, I know that on the inside, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? 
I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Please give me the gift of eternal life. I invite your spirit to live inside of me and transform me. Help me to follow you and serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, with everybody's eyes still closed and heads bowed, if, if you're here in person and you said that prayer for the first time and you meant it, would you please just slip your hand up into the air? I wanna pray for you and, and, and celebrate with you. If you made that decision for the first time and you're online, go to www.arisedenver.com follow and fill out that form because I'd love to connect with you and encourage you on your journey. Now, let's for all of us, let's pray. Lord God, we confess we are sinners. We repent. Lord God, help us uh, to stop sinning in our marriages, stop sinning with uh, being ungenerous, with being unjust, but that we would have transformed hearts this morning. Lord, let your Holy Spirit come inside of us to work on the inside, to wash us and clean us, make us holy and pure like you. I pray that you'd help us go out of this place and live following you, not trying to look good on the outside, but being transformed on the inside to be more like your son, Jesus. Pray this all in your name. Amen.